0: Heavenly Father, we are thankful that you are our Father. And Father, we are thankful that you have compassion for us, you love us, you provide for us, you protect us, you teach us. And I pray, Lord, that as we look at your word this morning and and see these characteristics of how you father us, I pray those of us who are dads would be encouraged and challenged to be that type of father to our children. Lord, I pray for all of us this morning because all of us are your children and you are our father. May we, Lord, hear your word this morning and be uh, the children who are worthy to call you father. And I pray these things, Jesus, in your name. Amen. Well, another thing about Father's Day is that you get to say the dad jokes. So, I know there are a lot of dad joke survivors out there who grew up having to hear their dads with the corny jokes. So, I have two that you probably know the punchline to. So, I'll let you say the joke. So, when, your dad, when you say to your dad, I'm hungry, what does your dad say back to you? Does anybody know? i hungry. I'm dad. I know your dad's used that one before. Or what about this one? When you ask your dad, Dad, did you get a haircut? What does dad say? I got them all cut. All right, maybe your dads didn't do those jokes. Well, those were the old traditional ones, so I thought I'd have some that were a little bit more modern and up-to-date. So... How about this? What's the only concert that costs 45 cents? Are you ready? 50 cent featuring Nickelback. So you have to know a little bit about the music these kids like, or even Nickelback's not even kids anymore, I guess. How about this one? I got an email the other day about how to read maps backwards. Turns out it was spam. (laughs) All right. How about this? I visited a weight loss website the other day. They told me I had to disable cookies. All right, maybe those are a little bit more modern. So maybe you dads can say that Uh, to First, you got to get on the computer first to know what cookies are anyway. Unfortunately, this isn't a joke. Although it's Homer Simpson, who's intended to be a joke. But our culture has, for the last 30 plus years, that's how long the Simpsons have been on television have made dads out, especially in comedies, sitcoms, movies, to be clueless and childish and useless. Uh, haven't you seen enough of that in, in stories, movies? You know, uh, mom, dad, the kids. Mom's got the kids plus dad who acts like a kid. And so dad not only distracts. I mean, he's an extra kid, so mom's got to take care of him and the kids. And then on top of that, dad gets them into more trouble or doesn't help them with the trouble they're in, so he's kind of useless. So why do you even need dad around? Most of these sitcom families shouldn't have that dad in the family that they have. And so our culture has this uh, stereotype of fathers. And because of that, often that's how dads feel or Maybe they live down to those low expectations of what a father is. Now, to be fair, sometimes dads, we have brought that on ourselves for being absent from our families, being childish, maybe being a bit useless as we have been in our families. And so if you're a dad who is... Absent or clueless, maybe you're clueless in this way. This is a kind of humorous way to be clueless. You know, you need to know which end of the baby's up, you know, the head and the bottom. But anyway, if you're not that clueless, maybe you're an absent father, or maybe your wife has to be a super mom. Now, moms, I know our culture elevates super moms, and I do too. When there's a mom that has to, out of necessity, has to, to work and has to care for children and has to run the household and has to do all that and they do it, and they do it well, I applaud a super mom, too. Where I don't applaud a super mom is when there's a dad in the house. If there's a dad in the house, there should be a super mom and a super dad. And not super in the sense that they have to... the one of them has to do everything, but in the sense that they're super in their character, and they're super in their wisdom and how they raise their children. But if there's mom and dad there... <laughs> There should be parents who are doing all of that together for their kids. And there's no need for either one of them to do it all. So if you're a, a dad who's making mom do it all, or you're a dad who's just abdicated and just thrown up your hands and said, you just do it, stop. You need to be involved. And if you're a dad who's absent, maybe not just absent physically, but absent emotionally, spiritually from your family, then stop. Because you need to be there and part of the family. So as I said at Mother's Day, often on Mother's Day, we praise moms as we should, but give little rebuke. And on Father's Day, sometimes we pile the rebuke on dads with very little praise. So on Mother's Day, we praise mothers. And I also challenged mothers. Today, I'm challenging dads, but I also want to uplift you and say thank you for what you do as well. So here is the challenge. If you're absent or you've given up your responsibility and just thrown up your hands, stop it. You must be part of your family. And I want to encourage you in five ways you can do that. Or if you are doing them, to do them better. And I know a lot of you here aren't dads. But today we will talk about our Heavenly Father. And we are all who are believers are His children. And how can we relate to Him in the right way? So the first thing I want to share with you is how a father is a teacher. This is what Moses said to the generation of Israelites as they were about to enter the Promised Land. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. These words that I'm giving you today are to be in your heart. Repeat them to your children. Talk about them when you sit in your house and when you walk along the road, when you lie down, and when you get up. Do you see how this generation was about to embark on a journey that the previous generation had failed at? And Moses says... You are to know the word of God, to know the commands of God, to know the law of God. And you are to teach it to your children. Your children need to know about God. Your children need to know about Egypt and about the wilderness. And they need to know what is right and what is wrong. How are they going to learn that? It's from you, dad. From you, mom. And with that teaching... Love God with all your heart, with all your strength, with all your soul. But you also know this, parents, you've observed it, that children will often learn things by catching them rather than by listening to what you have taught them. Or in other words, they will always do what you do, even though they may not do what you say. So the worst thing a parent could ever say to a child is, "Do what I don't do what I do, but do what I say." Now, if you say that to them, you might as well just not even say it because they are going to always do what you do. Uh, this uh, picture here reminds us of that. Here is dad, and here is son. Uh, the son imitating the dad. You know, usually it's mom who dresses uh, siblings the same, or father and kids the same. But well, this dad looks really stylish. I think he probably enjoys this. He, no, he probably was the one who chose this outfit for his son. <laughs> okay, Anyway, but children will copy their parents. Uh, sons, daughters look up to their dads and whatever their dad does, that's what they will do. So it's not just teaching with your mouth. You have to live it out in your life. You have to do it. And that brings us to a verse that I love in Ephesians where Paul tells us, therefore be imitators of God as dearly loved children. What we have observed in life, Paul builds on that and tells us as children of our Heavenly Father, you live your life by copying what the Father does. Imitate Him, model after Him. It's a simple way to understand how we live our Christian life. Do you want to know how to live, what to do? Do what God does. Have the heart that He has. Do what is right like He does. Live a life of holiness as He is holy. I know several years ago, some people thought it was corny, though, what would Jesus do Bracelets and t-shirts and mugs and banners. I don't know. We had it on everything, right? But the idea is right. What would Jesus do? What would God do? That's what you do because we imitate our Heavenly Father. So our Father is a teacher. And when He teaches, we are to listen to what He says and we are to obey it by imitating what He does. Father disciplines in love. I know it's not the favorite thing that a dad or a mom has to do. If you enjoy disciplining your children, maybe uh, you need to think about why you are parenting or how you are parenting. It is something that is difficult, but it's what is needed. Children who are never disciplined become adults that act childish, childish and act Uh, Immature. They do not live a, a life that is their best. And so, parents who want the best for their children must discipline them. This is what Paul tells us. Fathers, don't stir up anger in your children, but bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. This is the wrong way to discipline. When you get frustrated, when you get angry, and that can happen easily when your children are getting to your last nerve and things have been building up and your frustration has been building up and then you explode and then you spank or you yell or you just shove your kid into the corner and send him to timeout. Now you have disciplined and done something that is out of your anger and out of your frustration. And when children are disciplined that way, they get frustrated. And they can become angry children. That's why Paul says, don't, fathers, don't frustrate your children. Don't make them angry in the way you discipline them. But he says to train them and bring them up. So the idea of discipline is that you're intentional. And you're thinking about what you want your children to know and how you want your children's character to be. And so you're teaching them that. You're modeling them that. When they stray from it, you are trying to bring them back to the way they should be. And so, discipline is out of love, and it is uh, there's a strategy, and there is a plan, so that you are doing what is best for your children. And so, discipline's always out of love, and never out of anger. I did, I did want to give you just a few hints uh, because I was reading an article this week that was talking about disciplining children. And it said, the six things you're not supposed to do. I can't remember all six, but they went like this. Don't spank. Don't do timeout. Don't give rewards. Don't take away privileges. And a couple more. I'm thinking, well, what else is there? (laughs) And the article never did say what you're supposed to do. So that was kind of interesting. Six things you're not supposed to do, but no advice for what you are supposed to do. So I guess what you're supposed to do is do nothing and hope for the best. I guess that was what they were saying is how you discipline your kids. But just for some quick advice, discipline out of love, never out of anger. Consider your child's personality. And you know this, parents, that some kids, you just look at them sideways and they burst into tears. And other kids, you could yell at them, you could spank them, you could do every act of discipline, and they're still belligerent and rebellious. And so consider your kid's personality and how you discipline them. Consider your child's age. Some things are appropriate for younger kids, some for older kids. Uh, You know, taking the car keys away from a toddler doesn't really do a whole lot. You know, they're not driving anyway. Uh, Taking a teenager who's 18 years old and taking a belt to them is is not the right thing to do either. So there is uh, an appropriate discipline for appropriate age. And I would never discipline a child for mistakes what I mean by that is, let's say you're at the dinner table and the child knocks over a glass of milk. Some parents, whoosh, whack, you know, they smack them upside the head or something. You know, why did you do that? Look at this mess you made. They didn't do it on purpose. They just knocked it over. So in that case, you work together. Maybe they need to be taught to be more careful. But clean it up together. Teach them how to be careful, but don't discipline for mistakes. How would you like that if every time you just made a mistake... God swacked you up across the face. You know, we, we have enough things for God to discipline us for, much less little mistakes. Now, if, the, if your child is asked, did you spill the milk? And they say no, and they're lying to you. Well, that is something you want to discipline, is lying, but not mistakes. The match should be between the offense and the discipline. And the most important thing is maintaining your relationship with your child. Some parents can be so focused on disciplining that they lose a relationship and at that point your child maybe does learn right and wrong but if your relationship with your child is lost you've missed the whole point of what the discipline was about it's about a relationship and training a child up in the way he or she should go So keep those in mind as you discipline you know our heavenly father disciplines us The writer of Hebrews tells us this. Furthermore, we had human fathers discipline us and we respected them. Shouldn't we submit even more to the father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time based on what seemed good to them. But he does it for our benefit so that we can share his holiness. The reason God disciplines us so we will be like him. That we will be holy like he is holy. When I think about my life, I encourage you to think this way, because I know there are times in our life when we are in a storm. There is pain, there's suffering, there's tragedy, there's hurt. I know you know this, but do you realize as I remind you of this, Jonah was in a storm, and it was a storm of discipline, because he disobeyed God. He brought that on himself. It was his own fault. The disciples were in a storm, not their fault. It was a test of their faith. And so when the storm in life comes, it is an opportunity to look at your life and say, maybe this is my fault. Maybe there's sin that I need to repent of. Maybe there is a relationship with God I need to get back to. Or maybe there isn't. At that point, it's an opportunity to learn and to grow and for your faith to be stronger. But when things go wrong in our life, when things come into our life that hurt, we should stop and pause. Is this discipline from our Lord? Or is this an opportunity to grow? Because the Father will discipline us. He wants what's best for us. He wants us to be like Him and to have holiness. Holiness. So we should do this, learn from, and challenge our lives when God disciplines us. Father also provides. I know often we think stereotypically of a father being the one who, in the past, would make the money. For the household. Of course, nowadays most families need moms and dads and kids to work to make enough money to make ends meet. So it's much more all hands on deck, and there isn't necessarily one person providing all of the money for the family. But I want to think beyond that, because sometimes fathers do focus too much on that. When they want to think about providing for their family, they're thinking about providing income and providing everything that their kids need and maybe even all the things their kids want. But children need much more than money. So yes, think of providing, providing basic needs. But also think beyond that. Providing love, providing support, security or encouragement. Maybe you're a dad who does a lot of work so that your family has a lot of money, but maybe your kids need more of your time. Maybe they need more encouraging words. Maybe they need more hugs, more love, more support. So dads, think about all of the ways that you can provide for your family. Not simply the money that does meet those basic needs. I love this verse in Matthew 7 where Jesus tells us about how the Heavenly Father cares for us and provides who among you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Jesus makes an excellent point that good fathers provide good gifts for their children. Does your child need food? You give them food. You don't give them rocks. Uh, does your child need food? You don't give them snakes. So the point is good fathers provide for their families and provide what's best and what they need. And Jesus's point is very simple. If we fathers who are sinners, who aren't perfect, know that we are to give good gifts to our children, how much more then will our Heavenly Father, who is perfect and who knows us and knows everything and can do anything, how much more will He give good gifts to those who ask? It's a reminder that we are to ask in prayer for God to provide. And when we do, He will provide a good gift. Gift. It may not be the one we ask for, but it will be what is best for us. He may say yes to us. He may say no to us. That's not good for you. He may say, wait for that. He may say, I have something even better. But God will give us good gifts if we ask. He provides for us. So we should thank God for the provision that He gives. And boldly ask for what we need, for the provision that we need, so that God can meet that with His love. A father has compassion. Psalm 103 verse 13 says this, As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear Him. In Luke 15, this verse is from the story of the prodigal son. A story you know well of a son who basically went to his dad and said, Dad, I wish you were dead. And because you're not dead, I still want the money I'm owed when you are dead. So give it to me. The father gives it to him. And the son spends it all and wastes it all until there's nothing left. Now he's slopping food for pigs and he's so hungry he's eating the pig's food. And the son wises up and he goes home to his father. But this verse tells us what happens as he's on his way and right when he comes in view. So he got up and went to his father, but while the son was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion. He ran, threw his arms around his neck, and kissed him. The son, who did not deserve even a hello The father didn't even wait for him to come back home. When he saw him, he ran to him and he hugged him and he kissed him because he loved him. And his son who was lost was now back home, was found. That is the love and the compassion that fathers should have for their children and what the Heavenly Father has for us. I think about it in these terms. Often adults think of children as adults are just shorter. You know, they're down here. But they're not adults at all. And I think we forget that because it's been so long since we've been a kid. But children look at the world differently. Children have different needs. Children process life differently as far as intellectually, emotionally, spiritually. Uh, Children uh, need more from adults as far as what a lot of what we talked about, support and love and protection and security and provision. They need that and can't provide that for themselves. So a compassionate father knows that and therefore treats his children appropriately. And doesn't expect them to act like little adults. And takes into consideration who they are and how he loves them and disciplines them and treats them and raises them. Because that's what the Heavenly Father does for us. He doesn't treat us what we deserve because we deserve separation from him. He doesn't treat us as though we were like him, although that is what we strive to be. He knows we're weak. He knows we're frail. He knows we're sinners. So he deals with us in that way. That's his love. And that's his compassion for us. So we should be thankful for his compassion and show that to others. A father protects. And I don't mean in this way necessarily. See this side, warning, teenage boys beware. The girl you are here to see has a dad with a gun and absolutely no sense of humor. Now, I guess that's a way a dad can protect his daughters. (laughs) But I'm thinking of this more in terms of this picture. When children are in a good home, they're able to sleep well at night. Now, why is that? because they're in a secure environment. They can go to sleep without worry and go to sleep knowing if something happens during the night, mom or dad's going to take care of it. Parents don't sleep well at night, especially when they have young kids because you're listening as you're sleeping for every little noise to know if you have to run in and help if you need to go somewhere and protect And so parents, especially of young kids, don't sleep very well. But children in a good home do. There's that sense of security. And that's what I want to focus on when we talk about how the Lord protects us, how we as good fathers can protect our children. Speaking to that same generation that we saw earlier When Moses said to teach your children, Moses says this. So I said to you, don't be terrified or afraid of them. The Lord your God who goes before you will fight for you just as you saw him do for you in Egypt. Here Moses is saying to this generation, the new one, about to go into the promised land. He's saying, remember, some of these would have been little kids. And he said to their parents... When the parents saw the promised land, but they saw the giants and they saw the fortified cities, they were afraid, and Moses said to them, "Don't be afraid, because God will fight for you, just like He did in Egypt. Remember that was the generation who came out of Egypt. they saw the sea parted, they saw the Egyptians drown, they saw all of that, and now they were ready to enter the promised land, and they forgot it and didn't rely on the strength of God. And because of that, they spent 40 years in the wilderness. So Moses is reminding this generation of their history. Some of them would have been little and would have lived it. Their parents would have been the ones who disobeyed. But then he speaks to them directly. And you saw in the wilderness how the Lord your God carried you as a man carries his son all along the way you traveled, until you reached this place. So he's saying to them, You have spent 40 years wandering in the desert. As you have wandered, you have seen your parents and your grandparents. They have all passed away. Haven't you seen the Lord's protection? You either saw it as a little kid or heard it from your parents how the Lord protected and delivered you from the Egyptians. And you experienced it yourself. Uh, They were in a desert for 40 years. Is there any food in the desert? No. The Lord provided that every day. Is there any water in the desert? No. God provided that. Are there wild animals? Are there enemies? Are there scorching sun? Yes, yes, yes. The Lord protected them from that. Their clothes didn't even wear out. Now, I'm wearing ties from 30 years ago, but still, 40 years of the clothes never wearing out. You see, the Lord protected them from enemies. He provided for them. And the picture here that Moses uses is a child on his father's shoulders. When my kids were smaller, obviously I can't do it now. I loved carrying them around on my shoulders. That was easier for me than a stroller. All I couldn't... Now, under the stroller, you can pack all kinds of things. you got the diaper bag and the sippy cups and the goldfish and everything's in that. I can't put all that in my pockets, but it was fun and easy for me to carry them on my shoulder. Now, when you do that, you have to remember a few things. You're taller now, so you kind of have to duck if you're going to go through a door or your kid's going to get smacked in the head. And your child does have to cooperate because if he or she starts doing this thing, leaning back, oh, my goodness, both of you are going to be heading backwards. So you, know, you got to have a firm grip, and remember to duck, and it's a wonderful way to carry your kids around. Now, if you were a child, that's a great way to travel, isn't it? I mean, you're up higher than everybody else. You don't have to expend any energy. And if you do want to give dad a fun scare, just lean back a little bit and see what happens. So it's a great way as a kid to travel around. I would say much better than a stroller. In the stroller, you got things covering you, and it's all you're down here. But the whole image is this. The father is expending all the energy, doing all the work, carrying a child, but it's also leading. Doesn't the child have to go where the dad's going? (laughs) There's no choice. You're attached. So what Moses is saying, God, our Heavenly Father, for this generation, for us, leads us as a father carrying his child on his shoulders. He provides and he protects. And we dads should do the same for our kids. And when God protects us, we don't have to fear anything. And give that security to your children that they can sleep at night without fearing anything. Let's go to our Heavenly Father in prayer. Father, we are a thankful people this morning. And thankful... For how you do provide for us and you protect us and you teach us and you discipline us. And and Father, I pray that all of us this morning would heed that truth and respond right now in one special way. Lord, maybe we are experiencing your discipline now and we have been trying to buck against you. And now we need to humble ourselves and repent. And come back to you. Or, or Lord maybe we have questioned. Whether you love us or care for us. Or maybe our prayer life is. Is non-existent now. We haven't been asking you for anything. And we're hurting and wondering why. Father make a, I pray we make a commitment to praying and asking. Uh, Lord maybe we've taken your love. And your compassion. And your mercy and grace for granted. And we need to be thankful this morning. For what you do for us. Lord I. I don't know how you have spoken to your people, but I know you have spoken and now it's time for us to say yes to you. So I pray, Lord, in this time of response that myself and your people would respond, Lord, in a way that's obedient. And I pray, Jesus, in your name, amen.